So tonight I'm going to talk about how we're made in the image of God and why that matters. Uh, next week, Quince is going to talk about how God is God. I know, amazing news. <laughs> but <laughs> that we are not God, which we might know, but not know. Um, and on the third week, Josie's going to look at how we kind of balance these two slightly contradictory or seemingly contradictory things. Um, so, being made in the image of God. What better place to start than at the beginning of time? Or almost anyway. So God just has just just after the beginning of time. God time has just <laughs> yeah, well, time five days. So God has just finished creating the heavens, the earth, the light, the sea, the sky, the land, the plants, the sun and the moon, the fish and the birds, and all the land animals. And then he says this. So then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And God saw all that he'd made, and it was very good. So if you've been around church a lot, you've probably heard it said to you before that you are made in the image of God. And you've probably been like, okay, that's good, I'm glad that I am made in the image of God, sounds good. But have you ever actually stopped to think about what that phrase actually means? Does it mean that our body is made in God's image? Well, sort of. Yes, and sort of, kind of, no? So the Bible says that when Jesus came down to earth, he took on human form. So obviously, it's not exactly identical. There's clearly some change. Um, so in the book of Revelation, which is the last book of the Bible, um, the writer John sees a vision of Jesus glorified. So that's like, as he is now. And it says, among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. So it starts off fairly normal. Someone like a son of man, wearing a robe and a belt, so far so nativity play, our bodies are recognisably the same as Jesus. Jesus doesn't have tentacles like a squid or a beak like a parrot. He looks like someone like a son of man. But then we get to the fiery blazing eyes and the glowing bronze feet and the double-edged sword for a tongue and the dazzlingly bright face. And it's clear that what Jesus actually looks like is just beyond human experience and vocabulary. And unsurprisingly, John at this moment falls at Jesus' feet as if he's dead, because it sounds quite terrifying. So it's not like some of us look physically more like God than others. Someone you find attractive is not more like God than someone that you don't find attractive. And it's also not the case that boys are more like God than girls, because Jesus was a man. Because 
at that bit in Genesis that says, in the image of God he created them, male and female he created them. So it's clear that both men and women are created in God's image. So if when we say that we're created in God's image, we're not really talking exactly about what we look like, what does it mean that God made us in his own image? We get the clue from what God says to the first man and woman, Adam and Eve. He says, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and every living creature that moves on the ground. So we're made for two main things, basically. To be fruitful, to fill the earth and subdue it, and to rule, so to rule over all the creatures. But what does it actually mean to be fruitful? Well, like, literally, it means to have children. But it doesn't just mean that, because that would mean that just women were made in the image of God. It means bringing forth good things. Humans are awesome at inventing stuff to subdue the earth and mould it into their designs. For instance, like the internet, pizza, the teas made. Whoa, the, for some reason, the first three things that came into my mind when I thought of good inventions. So I'm in the process at the moment at work of, of designing a new tram extension for the Croydon tram system. And it's going to be great. People are going to leave their polluting cars. They're going to jump aboard this shiny new transit system and whiz effortlessly to their destination. And this is all part of using the Earth's resources to be creative for the good of others. Because God actually cares about things like work and not just, not just the things sort of like of church. And okay, does anyone here like doing gardening? No. Plants. There's something really satisfying about planting and watering, and then maybe getting to eat stuff that you've grown yourself. And when we do this kind of thing, we like look at it and go, this is good. And we kind of get a tiny, teeny glimpse of what God felt like when he created the universe, and he created every single one of you. And he was like, this is very good. <laughs> I think mean, you might. I don't know if I draw like a direction. <laughs> These things, and these things are physical, so we're talking here about like doing work and producing physical things and growing physical things, but actually when we talk about being fruitful, it's also talking about like spiritual things as well, so birthing baby Christians and like helping them to grow, <laughs> baby Christians, yeah. <laughs> and the second thing as well, which we're made to do is rule over the animals, we're, we're to love llamas, we're to have pet cats and dogs, we're to set up hedgehog sanctuaries. We're to put food out for the birds in the winter. We're to harness those horses to plough our fields. And the final thing that shows us what we made, the way that we're made in the image of God, is that we're created to rule as a team. So did you notice at the first bit of the passage which I read, it said, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. So if God suddenly had an attack of the royal weeds, well, sort of, yes, God is royal, of course, but it's because God is one God, but three persons working together as a team, the Trinity, God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So when we think of being fruitful, like, yes, only 
a woman can actually give birth to a baby, but it takes a man and a woman to create the baby. If you don't know about that, ask your parents. Um, and, and ruling and subduing the earth really needs to be a team effort. So we were created by Team Trinity to create as a team. sounds amazing, doesn't it? But it doesn't really match up to the reality that we see around us, does it, in the earth? What happened? Adam and Eve were working diligently in the garden, subduing the earth by planting, doing lots of lovely landscaping, being fruitful by growing food to eat, though not yet by having any children. And God had given them every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth, and every tree that has fruit with seed in it to eat, which is a good vegan diet. Um, but he told them not to eat from one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Basically, God was asking them to trust him to define their boundaries, to define what was good and bad for them. And Adam and Eve thought that God was like holding out on them. They decided that they didn't want to rely on God to tell them this. They wanted to decide for themselves, and so they took the fruit and they ate it. And the result of this is that we've received that curse of sin, which twists those good purposes that we talked about earlier and the ways that were made in God's image. So in Genesis 3, after they've disobeyed God and taken the knowledge of good and evil for themselves, God warns Adam and Eve that from now on, being fruitful will be really hard. The childbirth will become painful. And getting any food to grow will involve loads of like blood, sweat and tears and getting by thorns, and even when you put all of that hard work in, what you might get out of it is just weeds, after all. And the teamwork that's involved in marriage, specifically, and like generally in society as well, will break down. Like men will try to lord it over women, and some women will feel this just really strong need just to be desired by anyone, to be thought well of. Being fruitful does feel different. So I don't think, like, you know, the TV show called The Midwife? I don't think it would be such, like, compelling TV viewing if childbirth was this, like, massive, long, hard and painful struggle. You are? They find a way to make it. They do. And I'm sure you're also too familiar with that feeling of working really hard at a project and putting loads of energy into it, only to emerge with the end product looking far less spectacular than you, like, originally envisaged. And just think of all of the things that we try and do for like good purposes that just backfire spectacularly as well. So like, have you heard the like drug thalidomide, for instance? Like, they were trying to make this medicine that would help women like get, not have morning sickness when they were pregnant, but because of the side effects of it, loads of children were born without limbs. So it's just like trying to do something initially, trying to do something good, and then it just backfires completely. And another way in which sin twists us is to make us want to be selfishly fruitful as well. So, yeah, humans are really good at inventing things that subdue the earth, but often not for the common good, but to make money at the expense of other people. Like, you know, that plastic wrapped food, which makes it look really nice and tasty for us, but the plastic wrappers then end up being a problem for other people and other parts of the world, and even for like these fish that were supposed to be you know, ruling over in a sort of benevolent manner, it, and they end up literally swimming in our waste. And talking of fish, 
we also tend to exploit and be cruel to animals as well. The animals that we're supposed to be ruling over benevolently. And the breakdown of male-female teamwork, I mean, you just have to look around you to see that that's quite plain everywhere. And the relationship between men and women sort of lurches around from kind of like one shipwreck to another. So in some places like Saudi Arabia, you've got sort of really strict modesty codes for women. And yeah, they, they're now allowed to drive cars, but they can't leave the country without getting the written permission from a male guardianship. And then in other parts of the world, like in the West, there's like a sexual revolution. But then there's also problems like the Me Too problems that have come out or toxic masculinity, where men just don't know how to behave in a way that's like truly manly without beating up on women. And it seems to be so difficult in this world for a good relationship to exist between the sexes. So it just feels sometimes like we've messed it up and we can't undo all of this mess. We no longer reflect God's image and that we might as well give up hope. But by no means, as the Apostle Paul would say, should we give up hope. Because we're not able to undo the mess, but Jesus, the Son of God, member of Team Trinity, he is able to. When Jesus took on human form, he actually, in the way that he lived, demonstrated how it was possible to rule in the way that was in, in the image of God. So we kind of talked about a bit about it last week when we were talking about how might we live if Christianity was like illegal, we talked a bit about how Jesus lived in a way that was um, both speaking God's truth boldly and being obedient to God, but also not going around assassinating the leaders and that sort of thing. And also, if you think, if you read about how Jesus lived by reading the Gospels, Jesus demonstrated demonstrated like a servant heart. So he had the power and the right to rule over everyone, and yet he chose to do things like wash the disciples' sweaty feet and that kind of thing. So it's like, we're made to rule, but somehow as a servant. And the other thing was that Jesus treated men and women with equal dignity, which was against the prevailing culture at the time. And obviously he healed people wherever he went. That's having dominion over being fruitful and, 
and it's about ruling. It's not like if you do all of these things, then you will be in the image of God. You, if you've become a Christian, have been reborn into that image. That is just who you are. You are made in the image of God. And that gives you the potential to be able to do all of these things with the Holy Spirit. Um, so one day when Jesus returns to the earth, actually we're going to get completely new bodies. So actually our bodies are kind of important as well. We'll get completely new ones, maybe they'll have blazing eyes, maybe we'll have shiny bronze feet, I'm not really sure. But we have been made spiritually new right now, and we are being made spiritually new as well throughout the process of our lives until we die. And that's like quite a difficult concept in some ways to get our, um, our heads around. But do you remember the memory verse that we learned quite a long time ago? A year ago? Two years ago? No. Is it? Six, a while ago. Six months to a year. Ashley is going to put it up on screen and see if this rings any bells. Oh, so, yeah, do you know yes. now? Because this basically, like, explains the state now. So we, if we have accepted Jesus as our saviour, we are the ones who with unveiled faces reflect the Lord's glory. And we're the ones who are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory as well, which comes from the Lord that's the spirit. And that's really what I wanted to tell you today, is that there is this, you are made in God's image. And that has been twisted by sin, but if you are in Christ, you've been made new again, you've been reborn in God's image. Glory. Glory! <laughs> yes.